Welcome to the Road Sermon Podcast, where today we dive into one of the most beloved parables told by Jesus. Join us as we unpack the timeless lessons of unconditional love, repentance, and acceptance that are at the heart of this powerful parable. Get ready to embark on a journey that will challenge your understanding of God's boundless love for all. So grab a seat, tune in, and let's uncover the profound message of the prodigal son together. Good morning. Happy Father's Day. (laughs) Well, happy Father's Day. Hey, uh, we're in a series on the parables called uh, Summer Remix, uh, New Truth from Old Stories. It only makes sense that today we'd be talking about what is called typically the parable of the prodigal. We're going to call it the parable of the perfect father. And uh, man, that word brings up a lot, doesn't it? By the way, if you're online, thanks for joining us. We're in Luke 15. If you want to get your Bible out, iPad, phone, something to read God's word from. Um, boy, that word father, it stirs a lot of stuff in us. Uh, it, can be, it can be a great word, bring back warm memories of love and support and protection and security. Or it can be a word that brings back anger and abandonment. Uh, Nothing stirs our lives quite like that word, so it only makes sense that the most well-known story Jesus ever told was the story of a father. Uh, The story told to illustrate what the love of a perfect father looks like. So even if you didn't grow up, right? Because I understand, man, this is a broken world. Even if you didn't grow up with a perfect father, this story is for you. It's for you. Would you read with me in Luke Chapter 15, beginning in verse 11. He said, a man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country, and he began to be impoverished. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating, and no one was giving anything to him. But when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I am dying here with hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. So he got up and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And he said to him, his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and he has been found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field. And when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. And he summoned one of the servants and began inquiring what these things could be. And he said to him, your brother has come. And your father has killed the fatted calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he became angry and was not willing to go in. And his father came out and began pleading with him. But he answered and he said to his father, look, for so many years I've been serving you and I never neglected a command of yours. And yet you've never given me a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours 
has devoured your wealth with prostitutes. You, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, son, you have always been with me and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice for this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live. He was lost and he has been found. Would you pray with me? Father, we are grateful today to be here to worship, to fellowship, to open your word. Um, Father, to look at a story, Father, that is it's so deep, it's hard to even, Father, fathom the truths that are in it. God, help us to scratch that surface today. Father, to walk out of here with some truth for our lives, Father. Father, help us see ourselves somewhere in this story today. In Jesus' name, amen. The story starts with a good home. A father has two sons. Uh, he's a good father. He, uh, he worked hard to provide a living for them, if we were honest, where they never had want of anything. Coached their teams, wiped their tears, encouraged them. He was a good father providing a good life. But something happened. Some, something happened as the boys grew up and, and got older. One child experienced the love of the father and the care of the father, and he saw it as security. The other saw it as slavery. And so it happened with these two boys. And while one was content to work in the family business, the other grew frustrated with the rules and the routine work of farm life. In his heart, he began to despise his father who had given him so much. He fed his own frustration in it till it turned to, to hatred. He could not stand the sound nor the sight of his father. And so it was one day, after his hatred grew, that his father came and said, it's time to go out into the fields. And the boy looked at him and through clenched teeth, he said, I'm done going out in the fields. I hate this place. I've worked like a slave for you. You give me what you owe me, I'm out of here. Nothing that boy could have said would have hurt the father more deeply than to ask for his share of the inheritance. The estate uh, in that day was never distributed until after the death of the father. The older boy would have gotten two-thirds, the younger boy one-third. To, to ask for the estate now was to say to the father, I wish you were dead. This is unthinkable, right? I need you to get this. Jesus is telling the story, and what he is telling to his audience is absolutely unthinkable in that world. The shock factor is so big. To wish that your father was dead was to say, I want your stuff, but I care nothing for you. And everyone listening that day understood. Men, men stared at the ground, unable to look up at the thoughts of of their own sons doing such a thing. Perhaps tears began to fill the eyes of some as they considered their own family and the relationship with their boys. To pour your life into a child, only to have that child spit in the face of all you ever gave them and taught them. It was heartbreaking and it was humiliating for the father. There's a lesson here I need you to look right at me, especially if you're a parent. And the lesson is this, even perfect fathers have family struggles. 
even perfect fathers do. And the father in the story did the unthinkable in a Jewish world. He complied. He said, okay. He made his way to the bank and he liquidated his assets, cashed in all that he had. And he gave the boy a third of everything he owned. A few days later, all the business was settled. Checks were in hand. The younger son snatched his check from the withered hand of his father. The son had been waiting for this day, it seemed like, all of his life. He already had his stuff packed. He was going to leave and never look back. And as he leaves, the father is standing on the porch and he's looking at the boy and he's praying and he's hoping that he'll look back just one time, right? Just look back one time to see his father waiting and hoping that his son will have a change of heart and come running back home. But it doesn't happen. Uh, The young son doesn't care. He doesn't care about the farm. He doesn't care about the family. He doesn't care about the father. He disappears over a hill headed who knows where. We're not told where the younger son goes to live, only how he goes on living. Jesus describes it simply with two words, loose living. As the the story unfolds, we find that the younger son was living a life without restraint, a life of indulgence. He was going to do everything his father had ever kept him from doing. Everything his father had ever told him was wrong or bad. He was going to dive deeply in. So he began to experiment with everything. Sex. Exposed himself to all he had ever heard and ever dreamed of. He was a different woman every night. And right, he had the means, right? He had a new car. He had a condo. He was rich. Buying drinks for everybody at the club. He was life of the party. It was a wonderful life. You say, Pastor, what do you mean? Well, it was, until it wasn't, until the weather changed. Yes, you heard me right. Everything was great until the weather changed. You see, it, it, the weather changed and the boy's life changed. It got hot and dry until nothing grew and everything green turned brown and then the grasshoppers came and when the grasshoppers were done there was nothing left nothing to buy nothing to sell nothing to eat it was gone all of it and the clubs the clubs they boarded up their doors there's no alcohol because there was no fruit the businesses nothing to buy nothing to sell famine came Famine always comes. The past few years had been prosperous, but, but now not so. The younger son began to feel something he had not felt in his entire life, if he was honest. Something empty and gnawing in the pit of his stomach. It was the feeling of hunger. His father had always made sure there was enough to eat, even during tough times. His father's grace had always blessed him, and and he had all he would have ever needed, but he had wasted all of it. Now his stomach twisted, 
screaming for something to eat. So he did what he hadn't done in a long time. He went to look for a job. But it's hard to find a job when you're not used to hard work. When your life is about late nights and not early mornings, no one wants to hire you. His reputation preceded him. He exhausted all of his Jewish connections. He eventually went to the Gentiles, but the Gentiles knew the boy too. He was well known. And they didn't want to hire a guy who wouldn't work, so he finds himself without a job. The bank comes and gets the car. He's homeless. He's living on the street. He finds himself in a place he never dreamed he would be. He's going through garbage cans looking for something to eat. And then he hears. He hears about a place on the outside of town that might have a job. A pig farmer. It's hard to keep people employed on a pig farm. And so the boy goes out and he knocks on the door of the Gentile pig farmer's home and begs for a job. The farmer takes him out into the field and shows him, instructs him on how to feed the animals and care for them. And then he looks at him with a grin and says, if you want some of their food, you're welcome to it. And he did. No one is there to give him anything. Jesus said it simply. No one gave him a thing. All of his friends gone. All the women gone. All the guys at the club gone. As a matter of fact, the last memory he has of anyone giving him anything was his father. And it was that memory that began to change his life. He began to think about how hard his father had worked to make sure everyone, even the slaves on the farm, had plenty to eat. He began to think about the grace and the goodness of his father. And he realized that being a slave at his father's house was better than being free in any world. So he throws down his last bucket of slop. And he begins to walk across the fields that would lead him home. You know, the road home is always long. It's long because most of us need time to think before we get home. And this young man did just that. He wondered what he would say to his father. He began to script a, a speech. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Will you hire me to work for you? And then he wondered... He wondered how his father would respond. Would his father hate him? Would his father just look at him and tell him you're not welcome here? Or could there be a chance that there was just a slim chance that there was a glimmer of love left in his father's heart? And you need to understand that all this time that the boy's been living the life of pleasure, the father's been living a life of pain. Every time he went to town, somebody would look at him and go, you hear from the boy? And then there were the rumors, right? I hear he's an addict. I heard he has AIDS. And every now and then somebody would look at him and say, I heard he died. And the father's life began, each day began and ended the same way. He would get up, look at the horizon and whisper a prayer. God, watch over my boy. Watch over my boy. 
then one day, perhaps months, maybe even years later, about sunset, the father looks out down the road and he sees the familiar gate of his son. You see, all fathers recognize the stature and stance of their sons. And the father is old now. And he does what a father never did. He grabs his robe and he pulls it up, exposing his legs. He tucks it into the belt wrapped around his robe and he begins to run. Old men never ran. But he didn't run like an old man. He ran like a young man. He hadn't ran like that in years. And the boy... The boy, through pale, gaunt eyes, could see his father running at him. He just didn't know why he was running. Was he mad? Did he hate him? As the father draws near, the boy begins to try to rehearse his speech, but the words just won't come. The image of his father is now blurry because of the tears in his eyes. He tries again and again to speak, but he can't do it. And then he feels it. He feels what he hasn't felt in a long time. Arms wrapped around him, kisses, kisses all over his face. Jesus actually used a word that says he began to kiss him and kept on kissing him. The hot, wet tears of his father mingled with his own tears flowing down his face. He was feeling love. Love that was bigger than his mistakes. Love that was bigger than his embarrassment. And the father puts his arms around that boy's slumped shoulders and he begins to walk toward the house. And by now the servants have heard the ruckus and what's happening. And as they run out to meet the father, the father says, kill the fatted calf. Bring a robe and shoes and a ring. Do you realize the boy walked home barefooted? All those miles. The ring, the symbol of business, contracts were sealed with the ring. This is what the father's saying. You're back in the family business. Your name's on the checking account. The father was giving the boy what he didn't deserve. We call it grace. It was the end of the day. And the older son who had been working in the field all day long began to make his way to the house. And as he neared, he heard the celebration and he called for a servant and he said, why the party? And the servant said, simply, your brother has returned. To hear the word brother made him angry. You see, the younger son left and the older son's workload doubled. He had been pulling the weight of both boys. He was so mad he couldn't go into the celebration. He took a seat and here's what the father did. Watch this. The father ran out to the younger son. He went out to the older son because that's what fathers do. Are you hearing me? That's what fathers do. And the older son looks at him and he says, I, uh, I've worked my fingers to the bone for you for years. I've been a slave around this place. Every command you ever gave me, I did. And never once, never once did you look at me and say, hey, take a piece of livestock and have a party. Dad, I do not get you. 
I do not understand why you would spend a fortune on this guy who's embarrassed you, humiliated you, wasted what you worked for. I don't get you, Dad. And his father smiles as he weeps. He said, your brother was dead. He has come to life. He was lost, now he is found. Four things we want to walk away from this parable of a perfect father with. And listen carefully. Here's your first one. The perfect father loves us enough to let us leave. It's in, verse, it's in the second sentence of the story. He divided his wealth between them. I need you to put a star by that. Nobody ever talks about that. At the moment he gave the younger son a third, he gave the older son two-thirds between them. But what he didn't do, and look right here at me if you're a parent, he didn't beg the son not to make this decision. You see, the formative years were over. The opportunity to influence was passed. This is a grown man. And the father loved the boy enough to let him live the life he wanted to live. This is what you want, son? I've tried to tell you this is not good, but if this is what you want, go live it. I need you to understand that that truth and principle is repeated all through Scripture. We've been reading about it in the Bible reading plan all week long, the book of Judges. God would look at the people of Israel and he'd say, this is what you want, go get it, get after it. You're not going to like it, but get after it. You can live the life you want to live. Joshua looked at the people, children of Israel and he said, choose you this day. You can live the life you want to live. Any way you want to live it, God loves you enough to let you do it. You're grown. But it's not just how we come to Jesus, it's how we live with Jesus. Listen to this. It's the older brother who looked at his father and said, I've worked like a slave around here. And the father said, a slave? Who made you a slave? Did you catch it in verse 31? All that I have has been yours. This place was yours. What do you mean a slave? Look at me and make sure you hear it. You can live any way you choose. You want to live as a slave? You made that choice. I didn't call you a slave. I called you a son. You made your life slavery, not me. God will let us do with our lives what we want. We can live as slaves or we can live as sons. Truth number two. Turning to God is the only option that makes any sense. This is why I love the Bible. It's First of all, it's just a real story. Most of us have had some experience like that. And this, this young boy thinks he knows what's best in life, right? He won't listen to the father. He knew all the answers. Give me what you owe me. I'm out of here. I'm going to live the way I want to live. Okay. Get after it. And he lets him and he goes out and he makes the decisions that he thinks are best in life. He thinks he has it figured out. That's us. We think we have it figured out. We think we have marriage figured out. Parenting figured out. Career figured out. Until something happens in our life like happened in the boy's life and the weather changes. And you go, that's, that's, that's too little. Nothing like that could change. Yes. Yes, small things make big changes. And all of a sudden, what you thought you had figured out, you realize you don't have it figured out. 
When we talk about living with Jesus as the Lord of our life, that, that's a concept that we struggle to really understand. And, and, and here's how I would tell you uh, what it looks like. Everything you and I try to do our own way ultimately will not work. You say everything? <laughs> Pretty much everything, right? But this boy had defined life, and I need you to listen carefully to what I'm going to say. This boy had defined life as being about indulgence. I want to indulge in women. I want to indulge in wine, substance, whatever it is. Indulgence. And as the church, we sit over here and go, preach it, pastor. That alcohol's bad stuff. That sex, bad stuff, man. Preach it. What we don't realize is we're missing the indulgence in our own lives. We've just chosen different things to be indulgent about. Look at where we live and how we live. If indulgence is the sin, we're guilty. We are guilty. Freedom outside of Christ is bondage. I don't care what you're chasing. Bondage to Christ is the only freedom that's real. Third truth. The road back home begins with an attitude change. Uh, this, is, this is really a good point. Make sure you get this one. There are two words in this story that everything hinges on. Um, the first one is in verse 12 where the younger son comes and says, Give me what you owe me. The next one is in verse 19 where he returned home and said, Make me. A hired servant in your house. Give me are the words of rebellion. Make me are the words of brokenness. Young man, I'm leaving home. Give me what you owe me. That's a, re a rebel. Young man returns in rags. And that's a broken man. And the prayer of a broken man is make me. What do you pray? When you talk to God, do you pray the prayer of the prodigal? Bless me. Give me. Or do you pray the prayer of brokenness? Make me. Big, big difference in those two prayers. Big difference. Last point. By the way, look right here at me. I've been both those boys. I've been both of them. I will fight indulgence my entire life. I am a rebel by nature. And I've also been the son of religion. Right? And that's where we move to in our last point. Unconditional love has to be accepted, not earned. Both the boys in this story were slaves. Both of them were. Uh, one was a slave to rebellion. The other was a slave to religion. But the father neither, never called either one of them slaves. He called them both sons. One boy was lost in the world. The other boy was lost in the church. One boy was rebelling against the father's love. The other was trying to win the father's love. Are you listening to me? Because I've lived both those lives. I have looked at every good thing God ever did for me and gave me, and I've rebelled against it. 
And I have spent a good portion of my life trying to live good enough to get God to love me. I have been the son of rebellion. I have been the son of religion. And I'm the slave of rebellion and the slave of religion. I'm going to tell you neither one of them, neither one of them compare to life as a son. So I wonder today, I wonder as we unpack, man, perhaps the greatest story Jesus ever told. If God tapped you on the shoulder today, I wonder if he called your name. I wonder if he said to you, come home. Aren't you tired of rebellion? Come home. Aren't you tired of religion? Come home, son. Would you bow your heads with me? This is Father's Day, and uh, what, a, what a great time to ask the question, how are you doing with, uh, with the perfect father? Maybe you are online and listening, or maybe you're here, and you'd say, you know, I've heard about God the Father, but to be honest, Pastor, I've never met him. But I'd like to. You see, I heard him call my name today. Well, if he called your name, that deserves a response. And we're going to have that opportunity in a minute. Victor and and Matthew are here with me. And we're here just to help you figure out what God's doing in your life, right? And so when we begin to sing, if God has moved you, you step out. Or or maybe you'd say, Pastor, I know I'm a child. But to be honest, I've sought rebellion. Or I've lived as a slave of religion. And I am tired, tired, tired. I I want to be a son. I want to be a son. Maybe you're here, and listen, listen, this this is a sensitive subject. Maybe your relationship with your earthly father has made a relationship with the heavenly father really hard. And if that's true, would you let us pray for you? Just come grab one of our pastors and go, listen, I want to know God. But what I've gone through in this life makes it hard for me to know him. I'm going to pray. Emily's going to lead us. And this is your opportunity to, uh, well, to respond to whatever God's laid on your heart today. Father, thank you so much for our time. God, I look forward to what you're going to do, how you're going to speak. I pray that you would, and it would be so clear we cannot miss it. Father, that we would hear you call us home today. We pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Would you stand? Hey, thanks for joining us at The Road. If you'd like more information about things going on at Choctaw Road Baptist Church, visit us at theroad.tv or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theroadcrbc. Have a great week.